Hello everyone and welcome to episode 44 of the Future Drive podcast. This episode is part two of our conversation with Bill Dwight from FamZoo. In this episode, we talk about the hard work and discipline that's involved with running a profitable business and a profitable company. We also go on to discuss the importance of customer service and why it's silly that a lot of companies actually see this as an area where they can cut costs or an area where they they look at uh, first when it comes to cutting costs or trimming costs. The discussion eventually transitions into smarter ways to integrate AI and that technology into customer service without making the experience impersonal. Uh, I don't know about you, but I tend to really dislike experiencing bots when it comes to customer service or handling customer service. Some of them are done really, really well. I say I tend to dislike it because some of them are done quite well. Um, So there's sort of that divide, I guess, between technology that is used well to really just add another layer on top of the human level of support. And then there's technology that's done that done poorly and you know it's done poorly to save costs often um, our conversation then turns into what's acceptable to outsource at a technology company and what you must keep in-house in order to assure quality quality is an important thing and with technology being integrated so much into a lot of companies and businesses these days it's an area of high expenses and it's an area that people look at sort of offloading and outsourcing as as quick as possible but we get into that a little bit we then talk about how entrepreneurs should not be opposed to having a business partner as they can help vet ideas they can help steer direction i love having a co-founder at future theory who i get to bounce ideas off and it's almost a bit of a bit of a sanity check to sort of say something and put an idea out there and either get it shut down or at the very least have an interesting conversation about something because we are human we make mistakes we have bad days we sort of fall down traps sometimes where we think something is a really good solution but the only reason it is such a good solution is because we are already predisposed to it and and we have some sort of liking towards something so it's always good to have sort of a a business partner or a co-founder on board we then um, get into well bill discusses how he considers one of the biggest mistakes he has made at famzoo to be his reluctance to renegotiate initial deals with third-party stakeholders such as the banks who they actually partner with but i guess you know he also tempers that with the fact that we need to prove ourselves as businesses before we can ask uh, for better deals and go in with a better, I guess, you know, a better deck of cards um, when it comes to the negotiation table. So some very interesting things as as always. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Future Tribe podcast, where we're all about taking your future to the next level. Whether it is interviewing guests or unpacking strategies, you know we will be talking about getting things done and backing you, a fellow optimistic go-getter. And now, as always, here is your host, the formidable, fortunate and highly favoured, Jermaine Muller. Yeah, yeah. So are you, would you say you guys are 
burning or losing money at this stage or sort of so we just became cash flow positive last year after wow, 13 congratulations. years now i'm cheating i, I love that because uh-huh. i don't pay myself <laughs> i was going to ask now i pay Chris, i was going to ask uh so so and we pay our card processor right yes and so um you know i'm cheating a little bit but we do have a viable business now and um and so that's neat because even though technically I don't have to worry about that, I don't know. There's something very powerful about the the bank account going the other direction. Well, plus it's one of those things where I bet if you suddenly became a whole other person um, and you became money driven and you had to make this make this a business where you had to pay yourself and be and be profitable, you know, mm-hmm. at least one dollar positive. Um, I'm sure you can come up with tomorrow. You can come up with. Uh, fee hikes, you can come up with upsells, you can come up with just things that suddenly, you know, make this uh, for-profit business versus a mission-driven company. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, the the incentive, I'm highly incented to uh, have it be a profitable business. And m- my inclination will be to put those profits into personnel and uh, in in the in the business in other words plow it back into the 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 business Mm -hmm. and so it's just i like the discipline of running something that's that's profitable and then being able to make the decision of what you do with that excess capital uh but we had to be very patient to get to that that point and we could we we could afford to be patient so we didn't have to try experiments that were outside the mission and values of the company to get there. And I think that's what was um, uh, so, so wonderful about the experience to date. And, and you know, so for example, we, um, you know, a core part of, our, of the FAMZU experience is that when you pick up the phone uh, or you email us or you hit our contact us link that you're talking to uh, someone who knows all about the company mm-hmm. and the product. And furthermore, knows about parenting because half of our interactions are mini therapy sessions. So, um, you know, that is a classic customer service is a classic area where companies try to shave cost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where chatbots have have first started sort of penetrating the market. I find is interestingly enough, we use a bot on our end to look Mm -hmm. up the answers. Right. Yeah. Even Mm -hmm. though we know all the answers, it's just, we can get to them more quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So we use it on our side, but we use. But not on the front end. Right. Right. Yes. And um, you know, we've gotten to a world where people are absolutely blown away when they talk to somebody about a problem and Mm -hmm. the person can help them. You know, we're so, we're so used to either being ignored or treated like crap (laughs) when we um, get a customer service person or talking to someone who's perfectly pleasant, but simply isn't empowered to fix your problem. And and doesn't know, doesn't know where to start. Um, Doesn't know. Or is just reading from a script or whatnot, right? Because it's all, you know, they're, they're, you know, being multiplexed across a bunch of companies or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that is a conscious decision on my part to invest in that. And it's, it's not the quickest path to profitability, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so those well, are that's the not your goal, right? That's not your number one goal. Right. Profitability so, is sort of second. Right. What, what I would vastly prefer is to absolutely delight a customer and just have them be blown away by, oh my God, you know, are you the guy on the website in the video? I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm famous in my own mind. <laughs> but it really, it really freaks people out. So it's fun. You know, that, that yeah. makes it fun. I, I like, I um, handle 
most of the customer support right now. Chris is covering for me while we're talking. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, you know, I do try to live a bit of a life too, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just wonderful to interact with, with the customers and, um, and, and surprise them by knowing what we're talking about and, being being helpful basically yeah yeah i mean it's something that again i do within my business as well and it's a it's something that i get continuously told that in the web space especially in australia in the us in the uk most bigger businesses outsource the actual development right so you come face to face with a person they say quote you five thousand dollars for a website they pay someone five hundred dollars they pull yes. up the 4,500 um, and so on and so forth. Um, and I've intentionally stayed away from that. And what I keep hearing is that's you're just stunting your growth. Like you need to be the marketing person. You you never touch a line of code. You just go out there and market, 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 right? You're you're meeting 10 right. people a day, um, you know, closing at least, say even, even at 10%, you're just growing. That's five new clients a week. Mm-hmm. But my thing has been, how about we take a different approach? How about... When you pay $5,000, we pay local people. We pay people who you you end up talking to should you have an issue um, mm-hmm. to fix your problems because we because businesses are, are reliant on websites more than ever. You know, it's not fair. I would think if I went to, you know, my car dealer and I said, my car is having an issue. If they said, let us get back to, you you know, when India comes online, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll then be able to solve your problem. I'm going to feel like, hold on, my car is an essential part of my life. How can you sort of, you know, outsource this in this way? Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a fascinating set of decisions and judgment calls in software. The analogy would be, when do you use an external library? versus mm-hmm. writing all the code yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly making that call. Now, Chris and I write all of the code and we make all the decisions about, you know, the composition of what components we're using inside of our product base. But we, we write all of the, the core code. And it's kind of ironic that I was the VP of engineering of a company that was all about the opposite of that. And it just turns out that I happen to believe that good software is a craft. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, 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 a, it's a form of art. It is. It, is. It, it really is. And and people have been sort of conditioned to think that it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so anyway, I I believe deeply in that, and and I also believe that you just can't outsource um, the kind of the, the the voice of your company or the personality of your company who's who's answering the yeah. Phone. And and I think both both ends are true. Like you shouldn't just hand over the actual building of your product to someone else, and you shouldn't hand over now, I should the management of your clients now, you, to someone else. I, I should rephrase that. You can do that. Um, I think you can really differentiate yourself if you don't. And then yes, the, and yes, then the challenge yes. is, how do you, and can you scale that? Mm-hmm. And and that's that's a big question and challenge. And, and what, what I think has been interesting about, you know, going from a sort of a more uh, startup and corporate uh, culture to sort of a, you know, it's, I was going to say solopreneur, but it's the two of us, uh, mm. Chris, so duopreneur, whatever uh-huh. that kind of situation uh-huh. is, we are constantly confronted with uh, having to automate things. If we find that we're spending a lot of time on something, then we're immediately, we're, we're both developers. So we're immediately thinking like, how can we automate like the back end of this thing mm-hmm. so that we can scale it up? Yes. And you realize like how, why, how companies become so fat. <laughs> oh, because, totally. Because yeah. 
they don't tend to think of it that way. When they hit a bottleneck, they're like, we need more staff. That's like we the need reaction, right? Like it. we need more staff. Yeah. It's like, maybe not. Maybe what you need is to, you know, re-engineer the approach to this or, you know, automate it or whatever. And so this is what I find so um, fun uh, about what we do is we're constantly being confronted with, oh my God, you know, we're, we, uh, we've, we've got to automate something here uh, or it's going to break. Yeah. And, and I, I find that really challenging and exciting. And so my, my goal is um, kind of the antithesis of, of, of what many venture backed firms are, or what people brag about is like, I'm, oh, you know, I lead 500 people. I mean, that's what I used to brag about. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now it's like, how many families can we run with just two people? Mm. You know? how, how much and, and, and service them well you know yeah 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 not just get not just get families on board but make sure that they're happy make sure that they're getting value out of right. this now before we get into um some of the mistakes that you've made throughout your throughout your long career um oh wow we, we got a lot quickly... more a lot more time to cover that. <laughs> <laughs> can we um can we talk about would you treat um sorry what was the, what was your what was the other staff member's name chris Chris, yeah. so would you, would you consider Chris to be almost a co-founder of the, of the business? Yeah, at this point, I mean, um, you know, we've been uh, on this journey for so long together. Yes, I, I consider him a co-founder. Um, but but you know, I think that um, it, it's uh, he he is from a standpoint of uh, a lot of the decisions that we make and so forth. There is a certain reality that that um, that I did finance the company. Mm. And, um, you know, so that, that ultimately I have the say, um, and I don't mean that's, that that's what a, I was going a, to get into negative or con- confrontational way at all. Yeah. Now we yeah. have a very unique situation in which we've known each other for so long and we've worked mm-hmm. at multiple companies together, um, that, you know, that, that is just understood. There's no fric- We don't, we don't have any friction around that. And that's why that mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a highly, probably a highly unusual circumstance. And, um, and he knows, uh, we both know that we have each other's best interests in mind. So, um, and, and we have very different risk profile personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, it's a very kind of complimentary thing. I mean, I like to think it's kind of like how Larry and Bob, Mine, you know, Larry Ellison and Bob Miner were at Oracle, that they complement each other. And so, you know, I, I'm more likely to do something rash and Chris is more likely to say, you know, you need to tone it down a little bit here. Like we need to really uh-huh. step through this and think through this. So Chris is a, um, you know, a very methodical uh, thinker and uh, he's, he can be a good counterbalance to, uh, you know, my, my less disciplined side, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's wonderful because when I, you know, got into business, one thing I was told was, Jermaine, you've got to be, you know, the top dog. You can't have, you don't, don't bring on a partner. Um, you've just got to, you know, you've got to make the decisions because they're going to screw you over. But, you know, very shortly, uh, my younger brother's going to be hopping on board and take on more of a co-founder role. Um, he's a, he's a really good developer, um, which means mm-hmm. that, Again, I can, we can follow that model of outsourcing development, but that just means that Jermaine doesn't have to do it. Um, but someone else within the team, someone else local, mm-hmm. someone else who can sit with a client can do it. Now, the biggest thing I look forward to is having someone else to balance out and just to, you know, if Jermaine comes up with an idea, if he's the only one, if he's the 
you know, number one person, whatever he does and says and wants to do just happens, right? Right. And sometimes Jermaine isn't it doesn't have a good day. It's not a it's not a smart move. That's right. Um, and having a co-founder, I guess, would has that helped you sort of balance out those? Oh, absolutely. Things? And it's absolutely imperative um, that your partner feel comfortable to call bullshit on your bad ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Y- you know, that, that has been incredibly helpful to our company. And, you know, when a partnership works and people are comfortable speaking their mind and, and, um, uh, and, and can speak freely without, uh, you know, damaging relationships and things like that, even when it gets, you know, can get very uh, intense, uh, certain things that we're wrestling with, that is so powerful because ultimately the, the, the end product is better. The, the end result is better. It's, it's better vetted you know? And, and so you need someone to poke holes at what you're thinking. And uh, ideally before the, it's the customer telling you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? That's something that I've heard there. Is <laughs> Which that- has happened also. <laughs> <laughs> like for example, a good, a good example would be, uh, you know, I, I really wanted the, the cards to be uh, our branding calling cards. So they had a big, huge, uh, the original cards had a big, huge fam zoo on them. And, and mm-hmm. it said, good money habits together. Well, as we, as our demographic morphed up into the teen era, teenagers are like, what is this? You know, did your mommy give you that card? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was like a really bad idea. And so now we have this very subtle, um, you know, little teeny tiny fam up in the upper right corner and it's a dark, so it's, it's a very dark green. It's almost like a black card and, and uh-huh. it's, 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 it's teen uh, appropriate now, but you yeah. know, that was a, basically a big screw up on, on my part. Um, and um, you know, we, we, we figured it out and Chris really pushed me on that. You know, he's like, I'm like, yeah, but you know, that's like our advertising, right? You know, like people got to mm-hmm. know it. He's like, Bill, if, if they like the card, they're going to tell their friends, you know, right? That, that, like, that's it. I mean, but by like that you stage, to, you don't need to be blaring it on the card. Ex- right? Exactly. It, it, it's, I, I've faced that sometimes with, with clients who want, you know, their collateral and it's like a, um, not even a proposal, it's an invoice and they want their logo hugely plastered right. over an invoice. And you sort of go, hold on, you, this is, this is a final invoice. You've already tended your services. They've made a decision whether they like you or not. They've already told everyone how the experience mm-hmm. has been. Them seeing your logo in massive, you know, writing, um, doesn't, doesn't do anything for anyone. It might just yeah. up your, up your, um, print costs because you've decided to use neon colors on your, on your invoice. Right. I mean, a, a similar thing is, um, we had a very, uh, whimsical, first iteration of the product. And um, what you have to realize is you're dealing with money and money is um, not whimsical, if, especially if something's going wrong. <laughs> so like if your card ain't working, a bunch of cartoons being whimsical with you ain't funny. so funny. Right? In fact, it's really irritating. Um, yeah. And so we've had to kind of morph. Now we want to, we, we, we want a very family friendly and, um, well, it has you know, to be welcoming to your demographic. It's, it's got to be light, but you got to realize the mm. context in which which people are um, interacting with you. And if they're hitting the contact us form, probably eighty percent of the time, it's because something ain't working or you know mm. whatever, right? So you want to dial down the the lightness um, yes. when, when it's a situation that that could be uh, difficult. And so um, you know, very subtle changes to tone uh, that that is professional yet friendly, right? So you can still mm-hmm. be friendly, but you just, you just got to think about the context in which people are interacting with your brand or your voice or whatever. 
Um, so that, that's been an interesting education. Um, before we keep going, are you okay for another 15, 20 minutes? Do sure. you have time? Yeah. If, yep. As long awesome. as we're not boring the heck out of your audience. No, I think it's really interesting. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. What we do is we break these down into sort of 20, 30 minute episodes anyway. Um, yep. So that because the target is on your drive to sort of be able to listen to it. Per, sure. So um, we're going to break the boring up. <laughs> you are running the that, show. It's all good. Fantastic. I just wanted to check in. Um, let's get into some of the mistakes that you've made. Um, it, let's let's aim for the big ones that we or the listeners um, have to look out for when they're starting a business, when it comes to whether it's organization or money. Um, any, any big things, sort of big tips come to mind? Well, uh, I would say the most salient recent one was uh, one of the reasons that we became cash flow positive is that we finally renegotiated the original terms that we had with our cards. And I'm not going to go into the details of, of what the terms were, but suffice it to say that initially, uh, one of the ways we were able to get into this card business was that we were able to strike a deal that had very low upfront cost. And so we crafted a deal that didn't require us to outlay a lot of um, capital up front to provide the cards for our families. What we gave up for that was quite a bit of uh, sharing of, of the revenue um, with, mm-hmm. for each family. Now, initially, that was just fine. But as the business changed and it scaled up, uh, the, the terms became very unfavorable. And I knew this because um, we've been in this business longer than anyone. We pretty much, um, we were the second company to have really cards targeted at, at kids and the, and the first to have the whole educational focus. So we invented like the mm-hmm. compound, parent paid compound interest, for example, was something we invented. Um, so as more, you know, we've been around forever and as more uh, venture back companies came into the scene, they started calling us and seeing if we wanted to be acquired and things like that. So, um, you know, I was able to find out by networking with the other CEOs of these companies and other uh, executives of these companies, what kind of deal they were getting. And their deals were crafted in a much different way. And um, so I was able to see that we were in, had had put ourselves in an unfavorable position once we hit a certain scale. And so finally we renegotiated that and um, it makes all the difference. You know, it's like, God, why didn't I ask earlier? You yeah. know, it's like, you're, you're suddenly <laughs> making money, aren't you? Uh, yes. Um, um, on, on a recurring actually, basis. It's effectively what uh, you've done. It was like magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now I want to be careful there because I think that um, one of the reasons that we could have that negotiation was that we had proven ourselves as a, as a good partner. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to be careful here. Like, you know, some of me can say, well, we should have done that like years earlier. It's like, you know, we hadn't really earned the right to do that. And so it's complicated. You know, the truth is always somewhere in between. Uh, I, I certainly could have been more aggressive about it, but um, we're, we're not a significant component of our card processors business. And, mm-hmm. and so we have to appreciate that. And um, we have to earn their respect um, in other ways, you know, um, how can we be helpful to them? Uh, in our particular case, we notice uh, because our cards are used in a very particular way, fraudulent patterns stick out like a sore thumb. It's it just mm-hmm. in our environment. And we pay very close attention to our cards. So we can be kind of an early warning signal to 
our card processing company. So I think the, the, the more generalized um, lesson is if you have a partner who's crucial to you and is a major portion of your expenses that you depend on, how, are, how can you bring some value to that partner to put yourself in a more favorable negotiating position if you need to lower your expenses, right? If you're just a pain in the ass all the time, and you're not a big part of their business, that's a really bad combo. Good luck. <laughs> so good you can luck. be a small part of their business and be helpful and you might get um, a good deal. But if you're just a constant pain in the butt complaining about everything, you know, what's their incentive? And so there's mm. two, there, there are multiple, the point is there's multiple ways to get leverage. One is to be of such scale that the, that the partner wants to cater to you. They, they, they're desperate for your business. The other is, if you don't have that scale, how can you be helpful or just at least not annoying? <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, yeah, what I like about that is that people often don't realize, even in their day-to-day life, you know, talking about money, that there are things that they can go back and look at and change that are happening right now. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, saving money, for example, isn't just about not spending more money next month. It's about looking at your electricity right. provider. It's looking at your phone bill, you know, looking at, do I really need, um, what, why am I paying, you know, I'm 24, I'm, I'm out of contract on my phone, but I'm still paying it right. as if I'm paying off a phone, yes. so on and so forth. It's, it's that, I love that tip of, you know, turning it back around and even, even talking to landlords and sort of saying, listen, you know, um, I know, you know, you're giving us a really good deal, but how can we make this even better for you? Yeah. Um, maybe I pay every three months and you have money up front. I mean, knowing, knowing your expenses um, and, and you know, what comprises your expenses and what, what is the biggest portion of them and so forth. That, that's, that's where you find where you have the leverage. If you were to cut, you know, go after the big kahuna. <laughs> so, uh, you know, expenses are generally going to be people uh, are going to be probably your top expense. And then in our particular business, we had this other, you know, this card processing expense, which was the big mm. other expense. And so um, if you are not paying attention to your finances and you're not doing them regularly or you're leaving it all to the end of the year and being surprised, you know, you, you that's, that's not, not, not good. Um, you can kind of fool yourself into Not thinking, hey, you know, I'm an artist or a software developer or whatever, and that's where I should spend my time in this leverage. Well, you're running a business too, so you, you better get in there and understand the numbers. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I, I think ideally you're very involved in that. A lot of people outsource that. I personally do all the books. Um, that's kind of weird. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I, I think that the numbers are actually really interesting. I think that they tell a story and they tell a they give a different view on the story. You know, they should be a, a, a core component of your dashboard. You know, of course you're looking at like how many families are we signing up? Uh, how many are, um, you know, what are, what are our conversion stats on the website? How many families are, um, you know, mm -hmm. what's the lifetime mm -hmm. value of the family? Uh, where are they dropping off and, in the funnel? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, 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 what is a, unsuccessful family look like is it because they couldn't figure out how to reload the cards or all those things. So those things are very important, but also, you know, what's really important is like, you know, what's the cost, what ratchets the cost as we go from a hundred to a thousand to, mm. um, you know, 10,000 families, what, what co costs balloon. This episode was made possible. Thanks to the following supporters. Future Theory, websites, marketing and design that make your goals come true. Proudly based in Canberra, Australia. Visit us online at futuretheory.com.au. Well, yeah, exactly, because right. not all costs will just right. grow at, at the same rate. 
Um, I mean, your car, card um, suppliers cost will definitely That's scale right. up. And, and, and what, as, as you, and, and as what, what does that up. deal but look like? If you maintain um, that two you've stuff. crafted, like what? Uh, mm. So one of the problems that we had in the original deal was if we needed to crank up, um, like one of our uh, subscription fee lever, for example, we didn't get sort of a hundred percent of that knob twist. Right. So we have to get to earn a mm -hmm. dollar. We've got to crank the knob past a dollar. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, because of the way the deal yeah, was structured yeah. and so restructuring the deal sort of gave us more freedom. Uh, you know, we captured more of that, uh, that marginal dollar uh, in, in the, in the new deal that we constructed. Right. So those things become very important and strategic and they might, morph over the lifetime of the company, depending on what stage you're in. And so I would submit that, that the original deal we crafted was perfect uh, for the very beginning of our company and became uh, very, you know, more and more suboptimal over time until it was just like hitting us in the face. <laughs> we're not that, we're not that smart. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like change me right now. <laughs> um, so even old guys like me sometimes just aren't that smart, but um, you know, uh, but like I say, we had to earn the right to, to be able to negotiate that, that, that deal as well. So mm -hmm. interesting lessons. I think that's all kind of fascinating stuff. Oh, completely. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, which is why I sort of wanted to get into it. So um, before we get into the top 12, where can people find out more about FAMZU? So uh, FAMZU.com. So F-A-M-Z-O-O. Think of my family as a zoo. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, we don't have cards in Australia. I do think that there are some similar companies. I know that there are some similar companies in Australia. So you might check okay. that out because uh, mm -hmm. ultimately the goal is to get parents interacting with their kids about personal finance. So whether you do it with a spreadsheet, pen and paper, uh, you could do a paper ledger for all I, I care, um, or you use a, a product that tries to automate some of the stuff like, uh, like we do and like um, some offerings in uh, Australia do. That's uh, mm -hmm. a, a, a good thing. I mean, I'm really glad that I did it with my kids. Anyway, if, if, uh, even if you're outside the U.S., we have a, a, a lot of, um, uh, we have a blog that has lots of material about uh, tips okay, and tricks fantastic. for uh, teaching your kids personal finance. And many of them are sort of in, independent of the platform that you use. So the, even yes. the idea of, of paying your kids a parent paid compound interest, you could do that with any platform. Anything. You just have to yeah, have the discipline anyway. to put it in place or be aware of mm. it as a technique. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. We'll include a link to your blog as well in, in the podcast description. So Thank you. Um, if you're looking for um, those links, Future Tribe, as always, will have it down below. Um, let's get into the top 12. Um, I'm excited to, I'm interested to hear what, what you have to say. So let's start. Oh, that's right. With... I didn't look at that part. <laughs> well, so, it's going to uh, hit you. You could catch me completely flat-footed here. <laughs> I, I failed to scroll down in the, uh, <laughs> on the, the link. document that you sent me. But, um, so top three uh, podcasts. on me for not doing my homework. Top three podcasts or uh, books that you okay. recommend? Actually, um, yeah, I actually enjoy podcasts quite a bit. Oh, so uh, I do listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, mm -hmm. even though it's uh, really targeted at probably people that are younger than I am, but it keeps me young. <laughs> I, I listen to it on my bike ride. Nice. Um, and um, I do like, um, there's a, a, a podcast that Kara Swisher Kara Swisher does. She's um, mm -hmm. a journalist who covers tech uh, okay. and has forever. Uh, and um, 
So I'm gonna have to cheat and look at my my phone to see what the name of it is. But I think if you Google Kara Swisher, it'll come up. Yeah, yeah. And once then, you find the link, we'll include it. Uh, I also like uh, the Motley Fool has a money podcast that I really mm-hmm. enjoy, and um, and so that would be th- would be the the top three. If I throw in a fourth, there's a show called Stacking Benjamins uh, that is is a fun, wonderful podcast in the personal finance space as well. Okay, fantastic. I'm I'm I haven't heard of three of them. Out no, of the so four, the, so. the podcast is called Pivot, and it's oh, uh, it's Kara Swisher and Scott Galway, uh, and they kind of cover all things tech. They get into some politics, which they probably should steer clear of, and um, <laughs> it's entertaining to say the least. Okay, well that's going on my listening list. I'm um, on my subscription. Awesome. Um, next one, top three software tools that you can't live without. We've talked about automation, so I'm sure there there are a few things that come to mind. The Oracle database. Um, so uh, not surprisingly, our, our <laughs> software backends into the Oracle database. Why? Because I'm very comfortable with the technology. It's actually an amazing piece of technology and um, it's incredibly powerful. And people thought that relational databases were going away and um, they realized they're not going anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that, um, and, you know, I suppose I should probably consider things that are more relevant to your audience. I mean, the, the, the kinds of tools that, uh, well, Google Docs, I use. Uh, yeah, yep, that's a popular uh, one. I mean, I, I really yep. like uh, their, their spreadsheet products and um, uh, and just, you know, I, I use even their, their simple paint tool to do a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, mock-ups and things like that. I mean, I just think it's a very versatile, simple, easy to share with the team, um, you know, piece of software. I think it's quite brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What, what do you use for uh, support, customer service? Do, do so you, we, we is use, it just a simple uh, email I, w- I wouldn't necessarily or? recommend. We use a high rise, which was from 37 signals mm-hmm. that uh, yes. you might be familiar with Basecamp. Uh, we yes, use both yes. of those. And the reason I say I don't necessarily recommend high rise is it's kind of, uh, it's, it's not end of life, but it's, it's um, you know, it's kind of on life support. Not necessarily actively yeah. developed. Um, and so we're kind of uh, slightly trapped in it. We're perfectly happy with it. It's just that it's not, mm-hmm. it's, you can kind of tell that it's not evolving uh, too much. But that, that's one uh-huh. of the tricky things is, you know, you make a, a call on that and you, know, you get like, you know, 13 years of customer history in there and it's pretty tough to... to, to yeah, well, as of August 20, 2018, they're no longer accepting new, new signups. So... It's um, yeah, well and truly. So of, we'll wait till we get forced um, off of it, and then we'll go. Uh, we'll go do our <laughs> homework. And um, but you know, it's been a great. It's been a great run. I mean, we've used it for thirteen years, so that ain't so bad. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Next one. Top three mantras you try and live by, or stuff that you, you know, have to tell yourself in in moments of uh, difficulty or in more moments of joy. Uh, be empathetic. I mean, that that's that's really. We we jump on the phone with families who are in all kinds of different situations and and um you know like i say they're they're used to being mistreated by customer service so they often come out of the blocks mm-hmm. pretty uh angry uh yeah. expecting that expecting that you're not <laughs> that you're going to be a you know unhelpful and mm-hmm. um y- you know if i had to uh repeat something before i jump on the phone every time it's just like be empathetic uh they're probably people are probably wrestling with some pretty difficult situations and uh they're not necessarily don't take it personally and and tr- as as quickly as possible uh, try to communicate that you do appreciate that they're in a tough spot and that you're there to help them and um mm-hmm. it, it really uh, can blow people away when you when you c- 
come at it from that angle. So, um, you know, that would be my top one. Um, tell the truth would be number two, uh, in, in no particular order <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, anytime you don't tell the truth, it's very painful and, uh, it is liberating to tell the truth, no matter how painful that truth seems like it's going to be, it's always less painful than hiding it. And so get, yeah. you just get it out there. Uh, now some things are none of people's business. There's a difference between, uh, keeping something to yourself private, uh, versus telling a lie, right? <laughs> Me meaning, um, so, some things are not anybody's business. So I'm not saying be out there and share all your truths on Instagram or whatever. Be completely um, transparent. Yeah. You know, you're transparent, but, but only on things that are, that, that, that need to be, or that are, uh, you know, for, the, yeah. for the relevant party. And so, um, mm -hmm. but I, I'm just a real stickler for, uh, for telling the truth. And, um, you know, I, I don't know, the, the last would just be, you know, make it great. I mean, take the time to, to, to make, make, make something just be as good as you can make it be. Um, now that's a dangerous one because if you, if you, if you over fixate, yes. a lot of times greatness is the result of a ton of iterations. And so as long as you appreciate that and um, if it never mm -hmm. comes out, it's never going to be great. <laughs> exactly. If, if, never, it's, if, if it never sees the light of day, but, but, it's never going to be great. But, but, but it's never what I fail, mean like that more is, is like the, the, the vision of what it's ultimately going to be. You should have a vision in your head that's great. And as long as you're uh, yeah. you know, on a trajectory to that, I think it's okay. Like I, I know right now that- And you're um, working towards that, that actively. Like there's- parts of our user experience that are like, oh, you know, every time I talk to a customer, I'm like, I, I just feel like I should um, apologize and credit their card five bucks for the horrible, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> for the horrible thing. <laughs> and, and I know that I happen to know we're working on it. Uh, and, and so I'm uh -huh. fine with that. It's like, we can't do, you know, we're two guys, yeah. but on the you other can't hand, just do we're on a very tomorrow. definitive trajectory to fixing that, or at least we know it or, or, um, yeah. Or we're not yes. trying to like, it, it's on the way, you know, we're not, we're not intentionally being crappy. <laughs> right. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause that, yes. that's, yes. that's yeah. terrible. So, you know, some people build products that are basically intentionally crappy because they're trying, they're optimizing along some other mm. uh, axis. So. Yes. Yes. And the last one, top three people you follow or study and why? Uh, well, um, top three people I follow or study. Uh, one is been Warren Buffett to a degree, uh, just because I love like the, the long-term thinking and the folksy uh, feeling of uh, Buffett. And so I think there's a lot to learn there from, you know, really doing your homework and thinking long-term and living a simple lifestyle. I mean, like if, if you look at the lifestyle that he projects, he's not flashy. Um, uh, last mm. I checked, he's a fairly wealthy dude. <laughs> and um, yet, yet he maintains a very, you know, he, he had something in one of his books I read that he referred to as the inner scorecard. So he follows, he's following an inner scorecard. He's not trying to keep up with anybody else's external scorecard. He has a set of values that he's trying to live by and that guides his thinking. And he's not, you know, fixated on anybody else's notion of success or whatever. So I, I thought that it was very powerful. Um, you know, one, one person who I've been, um, uh, inspired by outside of my parents, um, which it goes without saying um, that they, mm. they have been enormous role models in my life. Uh, my mother for teaching me empathy and uh, my, my dad for teaching me all about, you know, as he would say, focus on the people and the ideas. So that, mm -hmm. that 
that that notion that you know the the, the reward will follow you know uh, yeah. so uh, i'm going to throw my, my parents in there as a, a bundle <laughs> uh, but um nice you know uh, uh steve jobs is uh, certainly someone who i've uh, admired uh, along a certain axis in terms of his dedication mm-hmm. to product and uh and also uh larry elson as well even though uh we have very different styles or viewpoints uh, or, or experiences around family and things like that he is an amazing communicator and um and he's amazingly interested in technology so um i didn't work directly for him but had the good fortune of being in a lot of meetings with him and and interacting him with mm-hmm. that way in a product way and just seeing someone who's like truly enthusiastic about technology and what it can accomplish and um and his his way of delivering a message very simply with a, quite a bit of repetition but a lot of entertainment um I, I think were very valuable lessons to me. So he was a great communicator. And, um, you know, so those are three, four-ish people. <laughs> people to look out for. Awesome. Love it. Um, is there anything else you'd like to uh, say or before we wrap up? Anything? No, just any good luck to words? your uh, audience. It's, a, it's an amazing time to be uh, an entrepreneur. Um, you know, there's just uh, tons of opportunity out there. And, um, you know, I wish you all the, the best of luck. It's a, it's a fantastic fascinating journey go for it yeah awesome thanks for joining us bill um really appreciate it well as i mentioned i'll include all the links um in the description and um we'll reach out to you as the episodes um are getting prepped to go live um and let you know as well so you can share it and do do whatever else you you'd like to do with all that information all righty and i hope things are good in canberra thank you for listening to the future tribe podcast If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. 